how does this work? Or how do some people, you know, build these massive property portfolios while other people get stuck at one or two? So what I've done is I've taken on small developing as a passion of mine. It's been very, very uh, fruitful for me personally. And obviously now I'm helping clients do the same. The how? Well, it's very simple, not necessarily easy, but it's very simple uh, in the fact of finding opportunities that are under market value. You then add value to the property, uh, you know, whether that's renovating or subdividing or developing. Uh, for me, it's by doing small developments. So- Welcome to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, the leading weekly show to help you unlock your full self, health and wealth potential. I'm your host, Bushy Martin, and each week, I go deep with the best investors, experts, leaders, and founders to find out what it takes to break free from the grind, discover freedom, and live by design. Subscribe now and join me and get invested in the life you really want. Let's get started. Hi, Freedom Fighters. How can you grow your wealth faster and earlier so you don't have to work? This is a question that I'm constantly asked when I first start working with investors. If you're a time-poor, hard-working Aussie who's ambitious and focused on building your career and dedicating long hours to make this happen, while devoting what remains of your limited spare time to your family and friends, then the safest, easiest and most affordable way to build wealth and property is to focus on scarcity and play the long game by securing quality properties in tightly held demand areas and then structuring the ownership and financing cleverly to optimise cash flow affordability and then just let time, the tenant, the tax office and the magic of compounding to do the heavy lifting on building your wealth, while you continue to do what you do well and enjoy your life. Now, this is a low-stress, low-mess way to build your wealth by stealth, and it has and continues to work well for many hard-working Aussies, but on average, this is going to take you a minimum of 15 years to make a dent. So, are there alternative, faster ways to make it happen? The answer is always yes, but there's no surefire, one-size-fits-all silver bullet or a set-and-forget magic formula because it always depends. It depends on how much. In addition to how much borrowing capacity you have, how much equity you have accessible and how much your resulting purchasing power is, it also depends on how much knowledge and expertise you have, how much time you can dedicate and devote to investing, how much additional perceived risk you're comfortable managing in the context of your personal sleep and knife factor, how much you can adapt to the dynamics of constantly changing property conditions and how much action you take. And if you're short on any of these, how much you can surround yourself with a proven team of expert independent professionals in each and every aspect of the property investment process so that your role as the owner of your elite investment team is just to manage your managers. Now, these are all considerations that today's special guest, Drew Evans, has successfully embraced. He's going to open your eyes to an alternative way of investing that has the potential to manufacture equity more quickly and effectively, as long as you're able to manage and mitigate the associated creation risk. So this week, we're going to delve into his personal investment journey to break down why and what he's done differently, And in next week's part two episode, he'll deep dive on the nitty gritties of the how and how he's now helping others like you to do the same. You see, Drew has consistently questioned the status quo and followed the road less travelled by clearly combining a delicate mix of analytics, research and intelligence as the key to wise and profitable property acquisitions using his PIE principle, which I'm sure we'll talk about later. 
And this has resulted in him being able to create just over $10 million in equity in just 10 years. If you've been listening to the Property Hub for any length of time, you have already heard and seen Drew on our Realty Talk Show. And now we're going to deep dive on the ins and outs of his personal approach. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation. So welcome and let's get invested, Drew. Hey, Bushy. Thanks so much for having me again, mate. Good to see you. Absolutely, mate. Uh, we've had some uh, good chats on uh, the Realty Talk Show in relation to uh, some of the great initiatives that you're doing. But uh, for those who either haven't seen them or haven't ac- come across you uh, in recent times, let's kick it off by asking you, what do you do differently and why do you do what you do, Drew? Thanks, Bushy. Yeah, so I guess, uh, first of all, I'm an active property investor myself and a small developer. Uh, I also now help, I think we're up to 850 clients do the same, uh, which is a pretty humbling experience given it's been uh, less than a decade uh, running my own business. But um, I guess where my point of difference is very different is the fact of uh, when I had my own personal aha moment. Uh, and that's when you know I picked up the uh, the BRW Rich List and of that you know top 100 people, uh, some crazy statistic of the amount of rich people in there were actually formed by investing in property. Um, at the time, I was working for another property investment education company, and I thought, geez, how does this work? Or how do some people you know, build these massive property portfolios while other people get stuck at one or two? And uh, for me, it all came down to strategic planning and the strategy that you adopt with specific property acquisitions. And um, So for me, I, I kind of fell into it, I guess, in some respects, because uh, I've done the typical retail buy, hope, and pray approach to investing, which uh, you know, can't work. Uh, but unfortunately, my personality... It uh, doesn't allow me to have the patience or the ego, I guess, <laughs> to allow that to happen. Uh, so what I've done is I've taken on small developing as a passion of mine. It's been very, very uh, fruitful for me personally. And obviously now I'm helping clients do the same. The how? Well, it's very simple. Not necessarily the easy, but it's, it's very simple uh, in the fact of finding opportunities that are under market value. You then add value to the property, uh, You know whether that's renovating or subdividing or developing. Uh, for me, it's by doing small developments. So at the end of the project, you have a significant equity advantage. And it's this equity that gives you options. Uh, because you, as you correctly said in the intro, it's either your borrowing capacity or it's your buying power that will prevent you from moving forward and, and building up the portfolio of your dreams. Uh, so for me, I love the ability to develop big chunks of equity on completion of any project to give you the option. Do you A, use the proceeds that you've made to then pay down any non-deductible debt? That in turn frees up your borrowing capacity, which allows you to keep moving forward. Uh, or B, do you use the equity that you've generated to then roll into your next project? Because I can tell you now, when you first get started, that is the hardest part because you have to slave your way to build up your deposit. And I can tell you, the perks of living in this beautiful country is it's not easy to save. You have a huge amount of tax, you've then got a huge amount of living costs, and then you save what little is left over. So getting into your first one or two acquisitions is the most important Sorry, let me clarify. It's all important, but the most important to get your money to work harder for you is by finding opportunities that can speed up the results. And uh, again, very humbling when we talk about those numbers. In fact, it's a little bit more now. But uh, you know, I started you know ten years ago, and uh, if you were to ask my ten year younger self uh, if I was where I was today, yeah, I would. Uh, I'd have to take my hat off. But um, again, I'm no different to anyone else. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm nothing special. It's just I've sort of. Uh, had a concept, have an idea, and uh, to be frank, just really giving it all and pushy. Love it, mate. Well, I, I, there's there's so much to unpack with what you've uh, just shared uh, right there and then, but I'm going to come back to that, mate, because what, what I want to do now is, is wind the clock back 
uh, to uh, as early as you'd like to go and talk us through where you've invested your time, energy and money over the years and why and how has this led you uh, to what you decided to do a few years ago and, and really focus on small developments. And I'm, I'm talking uh, childhood potentially, influence of the parents, yep. uh, what what has got you to this point because uh, I, I, it's a pretty interesting story, mate, so I want to hear it. It is, yeah. And, um, you know, I'll just pre-frame. If my accent's a little bit off, it's uh, it's not because I'm having a bad day. It's uh, because I actually, I grew up in a country called Zimbabwe um, and uh, I was at boarding school at the time when I turned 15. And uh, unfortunately, my uh, my family uh, were victims of the uh, land redisbursement regime from uh, Robert Mugabe. Um, you know, not to get into detail, it's a pretty, pretty depressing story, but uh, dad was really badly beaten up. Um, it was at that point he said, kids, you know, you're not going back to boarding school. We're actually off to Australia. So in December of 2001, uh, we packed up our bags and uh, were fortunate enough that we could move to uh, to Newcastle County, Australia. Uh, I'll leave that story aside because uh, I then went to school. Um, listen, <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to get into university. Um, you know, it's something that uh, my mum's best advice she ever gave me, actually, which is a bit of a digression. She said, Drew, don't worry if you're not the smartest person in the room because those who are will end up working for you. And uh, I don't know. Thanks, mum. But uh, I don't know if that was to help uh, help see me through it. But um, anyway, so long story short, I'm, uh, I'm gonna, at the time... Sorry, mate, jumping in there. I'm going to use that quote because uh, one thing that I've noticed and you've probably noticed as well is that uh, super intelligence can actually be a hamstring when it comes to investment because uh, very intelligent people tend to over-intellectualise. They're looking for the unicorns as a consequence of that. And as a, re- as a result, they can be their own worst enemy in terms of actually taking the action required to get the results that you need to in, in property. So uh, sorry to digress there, mate, but I, that, I haven't heard that quote before. And, and I'll tell your mum I'm going to flog that because uh, that's going to become very <laughs> useful moving forward. But sorry, mate, go on. No, no problems. So uh, I went to, uh, to, to business college. Um, at the time, you know, we, we couldn't afford to get into the, the uh, international university. Um, so I went to business college. Travelled right out of money, travelled right out of money. Actually ended up working for National Australia Bank as a financial planner, which uh, in hindsight now for me is a big, you know, mind-blown because uh, at the ripe old age of 19, 20, 21, advising retirees about how to spend their hard-earned cash, for me, it's just, this doesn't make sense. But um, again, I digress. I then worked for Newcastle's biggest house and land developer, and that taught me exactly what not to do. Yeah, now, but we showed me what the dark side of you there, mate. Uh, you because know, I'm always yeah. interested in what gets people involved in property and interested in property. So you're sitting in the NAB, you're a financial planner. What was the trigger that thought, gee, I might, I might jump over here and have a go at this? Well, she, I've always been really interested in how to generate wealth and how to get money to work harder for you. And that's a direct credit to my parents because my parents in some ways are very, very entrepreneurial. That inadvertently did that through, uh, I guess, their career in farming in Africa and more so what they've done here in Australia now. Um, so I've always been interested in that. And obviously property has always been a passion of mine even though I didn't really know it at the time. So again, it showed me what not to do in the land of elephant space. I then moved to Sydney and uh, worked for Australia's biggest property education company. Um, and I put that in inverted commas, rightfully so. Um, but essentially from there, it was the best job for me at the time because it taught me exactly what to do in business, but also more importantly, what not to do in business. Um, and I'll leave that story there. Uh, but essentially, you know, fast track six years of, of working at this organization, I went very, very hard at investing myself personally. Um, I made some cracking investments, but to be honest, Bushy, I also made some absolute horrors, uh, which no doubt we'll talk about in a sec. But what that allowed me to do is uh, it allowed me actually to resign from my job 
Um, I was living in Double Bay at the time. It paid for my property portfolio, paid for me to resign, it paid for all my living expenses, and I didn't have an income for the better part of two years because of my property portfolio. You know, so again, there there is a bit of a silver lining to to, to that story. Um, the aha moment for me uh, was actually whilst I was still employed by somebody else. I did my first project at the time uh, here in Newcastle, actually, which was purchasing a a, a corner block of dirt. Now, my intention uh, was to develop two four-bedroom homes on the block of dirt uh, with a mutual subdivision. And again, depending on how much detail you want to dive into, I came up to roadblock after roadblock, but I actually met an architect that said, Drew, um, based on the land size, you physically can't subdivide the block and put two dwellings on it. However, if you put the dwellings on it first and then carry out the subdivision, you can do it. The moral of the story there is essentially inadvertently, I was actually practicing what I preached without even knowing about it, which is finding opportunities that were under market value, adding value through doing a small development. And at the end, I had a huge equity advantage to give me options. Um, my previous, I guess, uh, education from previous mentors was, hey, buy the best piece of blue chip real estate that you can afford and just wait. It's sit and wait. And uh, I guess for me, that's um, that's something that I don't believe in anymore at all, actually. Um, but uh, again, we can talk about it down the track. So yeah, I mean, for, I, for those that I, I, don't have an option, it, it's better than uh, putting money into super. Uh, but if, you, if you're aggressive and you're wanting to make things happen faster, then then being creative is is the essence of exactly exactly that, mate. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that. I, I'm also interested in, again, I'm going to sort of jump in here because uh, – a lot of a lot of people listening will be going. Well, why did why did Drew decide to build two houses on a, on a corner block and have the confidence that the building exercise, assuming that you probably hadn't had much exposure to building at that point in time, what made you feel comfortable that that was a good thing to do? Uh, to be honest, for me, it was numbers on the pin, um, and you're 100 percent right. Like the the problem with developing is you don't know what you don't know. And property developing is something that you don't want to get wrong, right? It can be very, very, very unforgiving if you get it wrong. Uh, you know, we're not, it's not like we're talking about insignificant amounts of money uh, when we do it. So uh, I was just very fortunate that, that everything kind of went according to plan um, and it was a very profitable project for me. Uh, my second project, probably not the case. And again, I can elaborate on that if you want, um, you know, which was a 2,000 square meter block of land carrying out a mutual subdivision uh, with two four bedroom houses in the wrong market, with the wrong time, with the wrong causes. And um, I was fortunate. I didn't lose money, but I can tell you what, Bushy, I definitely didn't make any money, uh, and that's a learning lesson. So, Well, here's the good news, though. A lot of people at that point, and I would imagine it would be a very stressful exercise as well well as financially challenging, would hang out the towel, uh, throw the baby out with the bathwater, walk away from property and not do it again. Uh, where does resilience come from in you personally that says, okay, well, that's a learning exercise for me. I'm just not going to do that again. I'm going to do it differently. Uh, yeah. This is how I'm going to go from here. What? Talk to me a bit about that. Um, well, I think uh, a little bit about my ego. Probably got uh, a bit to play about it. Um, you know, I'm just, I'm never ever going to give up. I'm never ever going to fail. Um, it comes back to one of my favorite quotes, and it's, it's along the lines of whether believe whether you believe you can or you can't you're right. Uh, and that's always stuck with me. So I guess, you know, at the age that I was, like, what's the other alternative? Give up and, you know, it's never been an option for me. So I don't even, I don't even consider it. I don't even know how to answer that question. Love it. Love it. Sorry, keep keep going with the exercise. I, 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 I love the way you're breaking down your property journey because yeah, I, I really want you to share yeah. the 
the highs, lows, wins, losses, and, and the learnings that came out of it, if you don't mind. Yeah, of course. So I, I guess if I take a step back before I got into my personal story, um, where my love of property started was actually through my parents. So when I was at university, um, mum and dad uh, had this agreement with me where they purchased a, a university house. It was a four-bedroom house, and uh, I won't use the word I want to use to describe its um, <laughs> its positioning, but let's just say it was an absolute dump. Now, what we did is, uh, Drew, you can come and help us renovate it, and essentially what we did is we turned a four-bedroom house into a seven-bedroom house. We converted the garage into three extra bedrooms. Uh, the deal that I had, Bushy, was I got to live there for free, you know, for my university uh, days. However, I had to manage the property. I had to rent it out to my buddies. Uh, and I believe at the time it was 130 or $160 a week per room. That included all of your water, all of your electricity, all of your bills, all the internet. Uh, and my job was to manage it on behalf of my parents. So we actually did that so well for the first house, we then got a second house. And again, that sort of sparked the interest because we were adding value. Uh, we were generating huge amounts of positive cash flow, even though I was doing all the work, but I got to do it for free. Yep. Um, and for me, that's what sort of spurred, uh, you know, what I love to do and as to how it all, all came to be. So that's what sparks that sparked my interest. Go. Um, after that, uh, you know, I then started working with this education company and, uh, you know, the mistake I made there was purchasing an off-the-plan apartment in Brisbane. And again, I don't want to have a, uh, you know, a, a mud-throwing competi- uh, contest. It, it just factually is what it is. I purchased this property in hindsight, completely overpriced in the wrong market. Uh, I held it for seven years and uh, and then just made the call, hey, it's time to get rid of it and lucky to get my money back. Which was, was that apartment one of the ones that the company you're working for were actively promoting? They were, mate, yeah. Yep, they were. Yeah, so, enough. As soon as you had, as soon as you mentioned the words off the plan of an apartment, uh, my, my eyes shut down. Because uh, yes. there's so many red flashing lights in, in that statement, yet alone beyond that. But but if you're drinking the Kool-Aid of the company you're working for, I can completely understand why you go, right, well, if, if they guys think it's good, let, let's have a crack. Uh, clearly, yep. the reality uh, is very different. So uh, let, let's go on from there, mate. Well, I think... I think you're right. Um, you know, young and naive, and, and you know, you, you kind of take on what your mentors or role models do. Um, by contrast, though, in, in my opinion, not all off the plan apartments are wrong. I mean, I've got a business partner now, and he's made a million dollars in off the plan apartments. I kid you not. Yeah. And, and it logically doesn't make sense. So I think it comes down to a project by project basis. I think it comes down to an individual client's uh, personality and, and obviously strategy perspective as well. Yeah. Uh, but for me, that was the big no no, which goes against the advice that I was sort of taught is buy the best piece of real estate and then hold it for as long as you can, um, which isn't wrong, isn't wrong, right? But is it the best strategy for me? Uh, the answer in hindsight is definitely not. Uh, yeah. There's better and quicker and easier ways to do it. Yeah, and and, and uh, let me circle back there. I, I totally agree with what you said about the apartments. The difference is whether you are the people developing the, the apartments and then making the profit versus the person who's buying the end result and uh, there's there's no upside apart from holding a property that's not likely to grow much. So, uh, so uh, yeah, no, very well said because it, 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 it's very easy for people uh, if they're, they're working in one area to poo-poo uh, an alternative strategy. Uh, as you and I both know, uh, you can make money out of anything in property. You've just got to be smart and clever about how you do it and apply the right uh, opportunity to the right conditions to to maximise that, so I know that beautifully said. So yeah, I keep interrupting, mate, but uh, keep going. No, that's okay. Well, I mean, it's 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 a, it's a great talking point because for me now, the way that I look at property, it's no different to any other product you see on the supermarket shelves, right? You know, I, I did a video the other day with a chocolate bar. You know, Mr. Beast, who's one of the most famous YouTubers, 
I picked up his, his chocolate bar and I said, hey, property is no different to this product. There is margin everywhere. And you think about it, like in property, there's margin, right? It's not a dirty word, right? It's if you go and buy an existing house, a land developer's made money, a builder's made money, a developer who's done it all together has made money, a real estate agent's money, and then the vendor makes money as well. And my investment philosophy is go, where do you draw the line between purchasing somebody else's capital growth versus creating your own? And for me, that's the bit of an insight as to how my brain works moving forward with developing real estate. Love it. Love it. Excellent. Well, uh, yeah, we, I'm sure we haven't finished the end of your personal journey, Matt, so, so keep us going and again. <laughs> Tell us about what you did and and what worked well, what didn't, and what what the learnings in each case were, because that that's the stuff that we really want to unpack. Of course, of course. So I guess the um, what worked really well for me is also my curse. So I used that uh, project I did in uh, in Newcastle. What worked, worked really well is the fact that I took profit off the table, used that profit to pay down the debt on my own home. So I now live in my dream house, completely debt free. the The challenge with that now, in hindsight, is never ever sell unless you are in a position where you need to. And uh, what I talk to my clients about is there's only really two reasons. Number one is your current portfolio is preventing you from doing something else and you become stuck. Or number two, the opportunity cost of holding that property, it outweighs the opportunity cost of selling it. Now, in that project at the time, I didn't need to sell, right? I wanted to, but I didn't need to. So the silver lining is I sold it, I paid off my dream house, but if I'd held that property, you know, I've done a video on it. It'd be worth a million dollars more today. Yeah. So again, that's a, that's a big big learning lesson for me. Love it. Another one with the uh, the off the plan apartment is, uh, you know, take your ego out of it. Sometimes you're better off to cut learning lesson, not a mistake, but a learning lesson. Um, and again, it frees up capacity to go to go again. Now, I guess I've learned so many different things that have happened uh, between then and where I am today. Uh, but what my journey was is all about investing in as many properties as I could from a personal perspective. Because when I was working for somebody else, I did have uh, you know a really strong income, which meant I paid a huge amount in tax. Now, let me stress: my investment philosophy is not to invest in property just to minimise your tax. Yeah. It's a benefit of investing. It's not a reason for investing. So I got to a point where I had six or seven properties in my personal name. Um, you know, I wasn't paying much tax at all. Uh, whereas now, as my portfolio has grown and my strategy has sort of grown a little bit more, the entities that I use have also changed and adapted. So now I've got a family trust, I've got a development company, I've got a joint venture company, I've got a self-funded super fund company, and all of these different entities serve the purpose for what I'm wanting to do. Uh, and I guess that's another big learning lesson now, is saying, hey, every acquisition you should take on, it needs to have a strategy behind it. Am I going to buy, develop, sell? Am I going to buy, develop, keep? Um, is this going to set me up for my next acquisition or is it going to set back? Uh, and these things are so important that you get the structure set up correctly from the very beginning because one of those projects was a huge learning lesson. And again, I, I hope this doesn't come across the wrong way. I want to share my experience with you just to help save you the potential mistake, which which I've already done. That uh, mistake was... My, yeah, yeah, go on. Sorry, mate. Yeah. That mistake was listening to my older accountant. And let me stress, older accountant, around how to structure a development on the Central Coast. Now, again, I never want to sell if I don't have to. But my old accountant said, Drew, the best entity for you to do this in is in a family trust. Now, in New South Wales, you don't have a land tax exemption within family trust. Now, that's fine. Yeah, if you've got one project, okay, fine. Five or six grand a year in tax, I can pay that. Not, not what I was expecting, but it's manageable. But try doing a whole barrage of developments if your intention is to keep them. Again, no right or wrong. It was just probably wrong advice for me at the time. 
silver lining there, it's actually one of my best performing personal developments that I've done. I did a duplex on uh, on the Central Coast. It was an eight bed, four bath, two car. Um, so right, yeah, eight bed, four bath, two car, which will be carried out of subdivision. So four bed, two bath, one car, four bed, two bath, one car. Now I was all in, and, and this is very crazy to say this now, for eight hundred ninety eight thousand. That was the total acquisition price. That's the land price. That's the construction price. That's your DA contributions, your headworks charges, your subdivision fees, all in eight ninety eight. Now, the project was finished. Uh, I, I, to be fair, I did rent it out for six six months or so, and then this this land tax bill came through. I went, oh my god, what's this all about? Fortunately for me, I, I did take profit off the table. I sold each half for seven hundred and twenty five thousand dollars per side, uh, which again is a gross realization of one million four hundred and fifty, and that gave me the taste of developing. Uh, where I, I essentially got a gross profit of five hundred fifty-two thousand. Um, so again, blessing and a curse. Use the proceeds, pay down the debt of my house. So, um, and were you able to roll over the capital gains from those into, into future projects because you had a good accountant uh, sitting uh, in your back pocket, or how did you manage that component? No, mate. Um, I'd love to know if, if you can do that, but uh, no, I. I bent over and the ATO was pretty pretty happy with me for that year because I did pay the t- uh, not only the land tax bill for the year but also the capital gains tax. Um, but, but still walked away with a net 560 odd grand. Is that, is that what we're saying? My gross numbers were 552 gross. Um, after all of that, I guess if you want to go deep dive personal, it was at the time that my wife was pregnant with our first child. So she wasn't working. It was in a family trust. Guess where all the profits got distributed to? Again, helping minimise the capital gains tax yeah. Um, but for me, but she, like paying tax isn't a bad thing. Like yeah. you know, everybody sits it means you're making money, God. Drew. <laughs> but mate, nobody strong armed me to sell that development. Nobody put a gun to my head and said, "Drew, you have to sell it." And anybody wanting to sell a property needs to have their head red. If, if they're going to make money, you know, you have to pay tax. It's a known variable, so plan for it. Um, it's not nice, <laughs> but you got to plan for it. So um, that's that's exactly what we did. Now. Moving forward, uh, I guess this is where things have got really supercharged within my portfolio, is understanding how one plus one actually equals three. Uh, and I'll explain that. As soon as you can incorporate different people, different entities, and you understand the lending environment, uh, there's certain loopholes that can fast track things. And this is where, honestly, it pays to get the right advice. It pays to follow people that have already done what you want to do. Uh, and that's something I'm very passionate about now, which obviously is what I help my clients do moving forward. But um, again, I don't know how much detail you want around what I'm doing now, but um, just stop me at any point. No, I, what, I, what I love about what you've shared already, Drew, and this is again, I, I see a lot of people uh, uh, misreading this, is that you're smart enough to adapt and evolve your strategy over time to make sure you're buying the right type of property in the right entity uh, yeah. given the circumstances at that point, and it, and it does change and evolve, and it needs to change and evolve to optimise your situation as you go down that track. I, I see a lot of investors who come in with a very fixed mindset uh, around, this is my strategy, I'm only going to do it until I die. Uh, they're really missing the opportunity yeah. because it, it's that, that mix of uh, the, the right uh, property combination, uh, the right financing structure that needs to support it alongside uh, being very clever around the entity entity and tax treatment of those properties to then truly look at what what is the the bottom line in this exercise rather than look at each of these bits in in isolation, which is 
which is a, a big issue I see with, with both investors and some of the property professionals. They're only looking at their piece without understanding the impact it has on the broader sphere and then the broader strategy that the client is adopting to actually achieve their long-term goals. So there's some absolute gold in, in what you've shared there. Mate, I'd, w- one thing that I would uh, mm. like to do now is is if you look back on, uh, you know, you've had a pretty extensive and a pretty rapid uh, investment uh, involvement uh, over over time yeah. compared to a lot of the buy and hold and hopers, as you, as you say. Uh, what, yeah. uh, what's been your best investment and your worst investment uh, during that journey and, and what have you learned from each of those? Yeah, I, th- I think I'm briefly skipping on those. The best investment was the one that I had to sell on the Central Coast um, so far. I've got better ones than that, but I haven't sold them yet, so I don't want to give you the, the actual numbers yet because it would be uh, non-congruent. So I don't have the actual numbers, but I can tell you, factually, it's a lot more than uh, the 552 upside. Um, the, the worst investment, I guess, is definitely that off-the-plan apartment in Brisbane. Uh, purchasing it seven years later, sold it, lucky to get my money back. Um, in terms of what I do differently, you actually hit the nail on the head before. In my opinion, it's all about thinking twice, cutting once probably can be very unforgiving if you get it wrong. So run through all the scenarios. It doesn't cost anything. It's almost like paper trading if you're on the share market, is run through the scenarios. But speak to people who can give you the best advice, right? And I'll give you an example. Uh, Unfortunately, I had a a client that joined us. They did this before they joined us. Um, They went and set up these fancy, fancy structures, right? And on paper, I think it was probably an ego tickle uh, when they went to the family barbecue. You know, I've got this corporate trustee for this family trust who does this for this holding entity. That sounds fancy, right? Um, they came to me and they said, Drew, I want to do my first project. I said, cool. Where's your finance coming from? Oh, you know, I, I earn good income. Okay, well, how are you going to fund it? Mate, they spent $10,000 setting up these entities, but they couldn't get the finance to put... Well, they're like, Mr. Mr. Clark, you've just spent ten grand, and you can't even use what you've set up. So these are the things that you need to talk about and go, okay, well, listen, what am I doing behind this project? Am I going to buy it, develop it, and sell it? Am I going to buy it, develop it, and keep it? Better yet, Bushy, in the interest rate environment that we're in now, am I going to de- buy this duplex, develop it, sell one half, use the proceeds I make to pay down the debt on the other half to, again, free up the yield, free up the cash flow to allow them to keep moving forward? These are the questions that you need to ask before you pull the trigger on any acquisition. So, again, learning lesson, you need to have your strategy, talk to your finance, talk to your entity, and have it all come together. Now, you also correctly said is we're not trees right? Property developing is not an exact science, right? Things pop up and you need to move and you need to adapt. Why on earth, if your strategy at the beginning, like me, and again, I'll eat humble pie, would you buy, develop and sell a property on completion if the market is still booming? Why would you do it? You're leaving profit on the table. So again, you need to begin with the end in mind, figure out what you want to do. Is it your borrowing capacity that's going to hurt you first or is it your buying power that's going to hurt you first? Whether it's you, whether it's me, it happens to all of us. How are we going to overcome that? Better yet, are there entities where we can join venture with people? Are there entities where you can essentially have, as it stands today, with a handful of different lenders, an infinite borrowing capacity, right? If you invest with a corporate trustee and family trusts and companies, as long as you can get an accountant declaration letter that says that that entity is trading profitably, some lenders will, will get this. 100% exclude the debt in that entity. Yeah. Right? If you're on the treadmill or if you buy the law at home, listen to that again. There are some lenders that will 100% exclude the debt. Yeah. Pretty crazy, right? Yeah, well, absolutely. I knew that 10 years ago. 
Yeah, no, it's, it's spot on. The, the the one qualifier I'm going to add to that, though, Drew, and, and you'd know this uh, mm. as well as I do, is that that uh, making that trust uh, positive cash flow or profitable the whole time often means often means you need to contribute a bigger chunk of equity than what you already would. So it's, it's a very good solution for some investors who have the horsepower to do that. Uh, as a blanket, uh, the, my, my view is always that there's that the solutions right for the right person, uh, but there are a lot of people who are going to struggle to make the equity contribution necessary to keep that uh, trust in a positive cash flow position unless there's other income going into it. And then it becomes a trading entity that has the, the financing issues that we spoke about, uh, you just touched on earlier. So it's it's a horses for courses exercise. Uh, a lot of people are going to, oh, go, let's go and get these special purpose trusts uh, done and we can we can keep buying property forever. Uh, the, the other thing I would say to that, Drew, uh, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm fairly conservative because I, I like to look at the long-term exercise. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, should. Uh, because uh, there's a, you, you can be uh, creating a house of cards that can fall over very quickly. There are reasons why residential lenders do put limitations on borrowing capacity because they, they're looking at their own risk. So don't disregard the risk totally by chasing the reward. Make sure you get a balance between the two. And coming back to your point, make sure you've built out the whole jigsaw and, and built it on paper first with every aspect that's involved in this so you know what the, the worst case scenario on the bottom line is. So plan for the worst and then expect the best. And then there's not going to be any secrets or surprises in it. So it's, it's, it's choosing the right vehicle and the right opportunity structured the right way at, at the right time without diving in, uh, chasing the big big gold carrot, without seeing the big stick that might be sitting behind it. So, uh, so uh, I hope you don't mind me sort of jumping on I that. Think, I, no, no. I, I mean, at the end of the day, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right, you're right. Everything you're saying is 100% right, right? But, but, but from my perspective is sometimes you don't know what you don't know, right? And again, how do you make decisions or how do you take action on something that you don't know exists? Right, yeah. so definitely explore. It's spot on. It's spot on. That, that that's the key. Is that if if you didn't know about it, go and explore it. Uh, ha- have a chat to us, or have a chat to Drew uh, to to see whether that's even something you can do and whether it's right for you. But if you don't know about it and you're still sticking to the same old, same old, and you you you're stuck on a, a groove on the old record, then there's if you ask the right questions and explore the exercise, there's always a way. So I uh, love that. I think, no, absolutely um, love that, mate. I think that's the key though as well, right? Because you're no different to I am. Uh, when it comes to property investing and developing and making money, there's no one-size-fits-all approach. There really isn't, right? It's almost like the, the compare the pair ad, right? What works for you may not be good for me. And we probably we probably should have started with that. Or I should disclaimer that, right? Everything that I'm talking about is relevant to my personal circumstances. But when it comes to your personal circumstances, you need to speak to the right person, get the right advice around what you personally want to do. Um, so yeah, sorry, mate. Probably should have no, no, no. Beautifully said. We're on exactly the same page in that regard. Just jumping out of that for a minute. Given the journey you've been on so far, what do you what do you struggle with, Drew? Uh, at the moment, now I guess I'm sort of struggling with time. Uh, and, and again, it sounds so cliche. You can always make more money, but you can't get more time. Um, you know, in the last three years, it's actually my son's birthday today. Um, but you know, I'm at the office at six o'clock. I get back late at night. So for me, it's it's obviously just having that work-life balance at the moment for me. Um, I'm very fortunate, same as you, Bushy, where I I'm doing this because I love doing it, not because I need to do it. 
right? Um, I guess the, the reason I've worked so hard for this past decade is to really set myself up financially so that I have the choice to do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, that's that's the biggest thing I'm struggling with now is obviously trying to run, uh, you know, two businesses, have two kids at home, uh, you know, try and, try and sell a house, move into state uh, and keep that work-life balance. Mate, uh, you can't stack too much more into that uh, that cup, mate. Uh, it'd be well and truly overflowing, <laughs> and most people wouldn't be able to cope with it. But let, let's jump to the future then. Uh, paint it, yeah. paint out for us. I'm a big believer in living by design, not by default, by by making it yes. happen, not letting it, letting it happen. Which I, a lot of unfortunately Aussies use the excuse of being too busy uh, to happen. So, yeah. what does your ideal life and your uh, life vision look like, mate? Uh, well, for me, it's all that lifestyle. Um, you know, it's, it's having the ability where your property portfolio pays you to own it. You don't have to pay it. Um, and that's been one of my founding principles, Bushy, is I would never take on another project or another investment until my entire portfolio looked after itself, unreliant on my income or my wife's income or my business income. Um, so fast forward to where the future holds, mate, it's pretty exciting. Uh, you know, one of the cool projects that I'm working on with my business partner at the moment is I'm sitting in our office now, uh, which is in a suburb called Bullaroo in Newcastle, Lake Macquarie. Uh, we purchased uh, essentially a shop round, three shops. Now we set up a special entity. And again, let me stress, this is the disclaimer. This is what I've done. This is not advice for anybody else. This is about Drew Evans. Um, I set up an entity in my super fund. Uh, Damien set up an entity in his super fund. We combined forces. We bought the three shop fronts that I'm sitting in now. We've also just bought the news agents next door. Um, so essentially, we formed this amazing parcel of land Beautiful. on a main road in an absolute booming suburb. So again, before you you know walk, before you can run, now I'm starting to understand. Well, listen, how do I get the highest and best use out of a development site? Uh, for us, is it developing a level of commercial with two levels of apartments? The the area that I'm in is very undersupplied in uh, NDIS. Do we do a whole NDIS building? Or more recently, I'm running feasibilities on how do we develop a medical suite. So three levels of medical suite. So you've got GPs, x-rays, pathology. Uh, that's kind of you know what I'm working on at the moment now. But again, all of this stuff take, takes time. Um, I don't have the answers, but like I practice what I preach, the back of a napkin, what can go wrong, what can go wrong, what can go wrong, what can go right. But you know, for me, uh, profit creation is secondary to capital protection, right? Yeah. I haven't worked this hard to, to give it all away because of ignorance. Um, and that's something that I'm doing now. Yeah, I love it, mate. Uh, what I love about uh, what I'm hearing is that you, you're always questioning, you're always exploring that that almost childlike curiosity, uh, backed up with the ability to actually take action, uh, is clearly a, a big big part of you and who you are, and obviously a big part of your success because you you explore things uh, inside and out. Uh, you look at how it applies to yeah. you and where you're at and where you're going, and 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 if nothing else. That, that is a, a great example of what the people listening in need to start adopting, is not not just to accept the, the one way, to keep exploring, to surround yourself with the right people who have already done it and can show you how to do it, uh, rather than those that to advertise themselves well, uh, talk a great story but haven't done anything and then in, end up putting you in a very difficult situation. So it's it's follow the, the proven players. But if we, if we sort of revolve around now uh, and we... Uh, look back on uh, a, a pretty rapid career, uh, given the obvious inbred impatience that you you have, which is a, which is a great driver at the best of times. If if you were starting out again, what if anything would you invest in differently, Brett, uh, Drew? Uh, what would I do differently? 
mate, I would find someone that has a, a proven track record that's done what I want to do, right? I'd find that person and I would do anything I could to get mentored or get coached by them to show me how to fast track the results. Because what I've kind of learned is why don't make all your own mistakes when you can learn from somebody else, somebody else. So again, you may find mentors that are happy to have a chat to you and fast track your results. You may have to pay mentors. And, uh, for me, that's another big lesson that I've learned is uh, the most expensive sometimes, the most expensive advice that you can sometimes get bushy is free, uh, especially when it comes to property. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's get educated, it's understand, plan for the worst, hope for the best. And is this acquisition going to set me up or is it going to set me back? Um, but I can tell you what, my portfolio would look very, very differently if I didn't have the typical retail properties that you hold for seven years and you get your money back. I love it, mate. Uh, there is, is so much to learn from the the journey you've shared with us. Uh, in the in the next episode, we're going to deep dive into small developments. Uh, now that you've sort of wet all of our appetites around that in terms of the nitty gritties of how, but I, w- what I always do on the get invested, Drew, is I jump into what I call the bushfire lightning round or the ambush round, and yep. you'll, you'll get a couple of these. So I'm going to give you a blindfold and a cigarette. And uh, we're going to fire a couple of questions uh, just to uh, get to know you a bit better. And the first of those, mate, is what's your favourite song and why? Ah, oh, gosh. Uh, I'm about to go to a childhood favourite, which is Blink182. Blink what's my age again? I don't know what it is about that song, but it just gets me jacked up every time I listen to it. Well, uh, I'm a little bit older than you, mate, but uh, I went along to the Blink182 concert in, in Adelaide years ago and in, ended up uh, in the in the mosh pit with my son, uh, and I was battered and bruised for about a week after, but uh, great song, great band. Uh, second one, mate, what superpower do you wish that you had and why? Oh, I wish it would be two. It would be get back more time, so be timeless, uh, which I guess has its pros and its cons, or be invisible. I'd love to be a fly on the wall to listen to some conversation. Love both of those, mate. Uh, slightly yeah. different direction. If you could have coffee with anyone, either alive or dead, who would you choose and why? This is uh, this is an interesting one because I've racked my head about this. There's so many people I love to meet, but what I've come to with my answer is I'd love to meet me when I'm 60 years old and have advice for the future me, have a copy of the future me. What would you do differently? Love it, love it. Okay, that that, but it's going to be a very wise you, mate. Uh, g- given what you've packed into uh, a pretty short period period of time already. That will be someone worth talking to, mate. So book me in for that coffee when you hit 60, mate. I'll be a bit older than you, but uh, be worth a chat. Uh, and next one's a little bit interesting. What would be the title of the book about you if your worst enemy wrote it? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I'm actually going to steal um, Patrick Bet David, who's an American, um, you know, Joe Rogan podcaster type guy. He's actually got a book that says, Choose Your Enemies Wisely. So I'm going to pinch his title uh, and I'll call it that. <laughs> and, and keep your enemies closer than your friends, mate. Uh, it's spot on. No, that, that, that's, that's a cracker. Uh, now, what's a question you wish I'd ask you uh, that I haven't, and how would you have answered, mate? What have you asked me? Um, what would I do differently? I think we covered that off. Um, mate, now, listen, I think this, this has been a great chat. I don't really have a question. I'm an open book. Um, I guess for me, I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I don't pretend to overcook the numbers and over overinflate things. Um, you know, for me, I'm very, very fortunate to the values that my parents have instilled in me where honesty is always the best policy. If I don't know something, I'll tell you that. Uh, if I've got a great result, I'll tell you that. If I've messed up somewhere there, I'll tell you that. Um, so for me, that's probably the big takeaway is, hey, I'm, I'm no different to anybody else listening to this podcast. 
um, you know, I've just had a huge drive and a willingness to to give it a crack. Absolutely, love it, mate. Uh, been absolutely golden. It's really setting up for a, another great conversation uh, when we dive into small developments in the next episode. So I just want to thank you for taking the time to share the ins and outs of your personal journey, mate. And uh, if anyone listening would like to ask any further questions or leave comments about any part of Drew's journey, just jump and join and jump into our newly badged Property Hub Collective Interactive Facebook community by clicking the link in the show notes that you'll find quite easily where you can keep the conversation going with other like-minded, hard-working Aussies. We now look forward to continuing this conversation in the next week episode where we're going to deep dive into the good, bad and ugly of alternative investment in small developments. So I look forward to seeing you then, Dredge. Thanks, Bushy. Talk soon. Thanks for tuning in to Get Invested on the Property Hub podcast channel, your home for property investment insights and inspiration. And don't leave yet until you've taken the next step towards living by design by getting my award-winning book, Get Invested, absolutely free when you sign up at knowhowproperty.com.au or bushymartin.com.au. And finally, make sure you subscribe to Property Hub to get your weekly dose of Get Invested inspiration along with every episode of Realty Talk, Australia's leading property show for red-hot property investing news and insights direct from industry leaders and influencers. Remember to always get invested in your knowledge and... I look forward to seeing you next time.